and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, we will be previewing our playoff divisional matchup. Chiefs versus Browns, not Chiefs v. Browns, because that sounds like a court case, right, Kyle? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it was on the podcast. Everybody heard it. It was like it was like a five minute when when I was editing it, it ended up being like a five minute conversation of Viver V V versus. <laughs> Listen, just like any good court case, the people will speak. <laughs> Contreras V Neg in the case of Contreras V Neg in the case of it's just like onward and onward because it's an infinity court case loop. I mean, I I I, I mean I. I'm nothing if not recursive, so yeah. <laughs> I, I I actually did our first Instagram poll. I've never known how to do that, and I finally learned how to do a poll on the story. So maybe we put it on a poll and like force people to listen to the podcast. I don't know. How did the first poll go? Did our Instagram just get like, you know, inbox blown up with a bunch of unsolicited bots? I mean, do you do you want the truth or do you want the not truth so people think that people look at our Instagram story? Spare me the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the we truth. We got a thousand votes and all of them wanted Doug Peterson back on the Chiefs. <laughs> Wait, is, is, you, is you can't handle the truth actually? That's from a court movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's from uh, A Few, a good, few men. good Men. Oh, thank you. I was going to say 12 Angry Men. I thought it was Eight Crazy Nights. I wonder what Jack Nicholson is doing right now. Watching the Laker game? Yeah. Out of void, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholas. Wait, Nicholas. Yeah, Jack Nicholas. I almost said Nicholson. Wait, Nicholson? Nicholson. It's Nicholson. Take all that out because I... You're doing great, buddy. I can't dishonor him like that. Lead us to the promised land. All right. So what is it? There's Jack Jack (laughs) Nicholas, Phil Mickelson, and Jack Nicholson, right? Uh, Is it Jack Nicholas? I've never heard of a Jack Nicholas. Uh, Yeah, golf player. uh, uh, Golf legend. Isn't Jack Nicholas the guy, the golfer? That's how you say it? I thought it was Nicholas. Uh... Potato, potato. <laughs> Reese, Reese did add a schwa. I guess we'll have to put that on our Twitter look, poll as well. Is it Nicholas? Can you spell Nicholas? that for me, Reese? Uh, I'll look it up. Hold on. I thought no, it, no. Spell it for me right now. I thought it was Jack Niklaus. Right. Uh, isn't it's, it? it? It's N-I-C-K-L-A-U-S. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Jack Nicholas. But like, it's hard to say Nicholas without just like putting that shadow vowel in there. It's like That's it doesn't true. exist. I don't know. I... <laughs> How, how do you say his name? I always thought it was Niklas or something. No. Jack Niklas. That's your German German 101 coming back in from KU. Let's be real. There's a whole lot of nothing in the golf world between Jack Niklas and... Oh, geez, I can't even say it right now. Between Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. We Wood. argue about the stupidest things to start the podcast, but it's fine. I'm sure it gets people to stay on. Hey, this is what the people want. The people have spoken. Yeah, dude, golf is polled very well in our Instagram polls. In fact, <laughs> in Jim Nance groups. clarified that Nicklaus is flat wrong. It's Nicholas. So okay, Nicholas. No, not Nicholas. Nicholas. Well, Jack Nicholas, give us a shout out. Uh, su- subscribe to our Patreon, Jack Nicholas, because you have a lot of money, and uh, we would love to have you on to review a beer. But before we do that, we have to do this episode. I'm learning to play golf, Jack. Can I get a lesson? I just had a great mnemonic device to remember Jack Nicholas. It's perfect. You're both familiar with them all in the night visitors, right? Correct. Indeed. Nicholas. Nicholas. Jack Sweet Nicholas, Jack Sweet Nicholas. <laughs> Have some. <laughs> okay, I don't know it that well to to know that 
rhyme scheme. <laughs> you suck. Don't blame me. Blame Minotti. And I say this with all sincerity. You suck. Oh, man. The number of people who are going to get that is zero. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Reese. Thank you. Thank you for that. Is there a playoff so the- game this week? <laughs> There sure is. So the game will be held January 17th, Sunday at 2.05 Arrowhead time. But who would have thought that this game was going to happen, guys? Chiefs versus Browns. I was already preparing for Chiefs Ravens because after the Ravens game, we were watching it. We were going back and forth and I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about Lamar Jackson. And then that evening when the Brown Steelers game was going on, I told my wife, well, why don't we just keep watching the uh, the Hobbit because this isn't going to matter. And I don't really care about the Steelers. So we're watching the Hobbit and then Reese texts me like from the get go, bad start for the Steelers. And I was like, oh, it's probably just some stupid play. And then I go on Twitter and see the boneheaded Marquise Pouncey snap to then on the very first play. So then I tell Logan, my wife, I go, all right, Hobbit's Hobbit marathon is over. (laughs) Turn on ESPN. And I could not believe what I saw boys. What did you see? Uh, I saw the the Pittsburgh Steelers beating themselves there and back again. That that entire first quarter, as bad as the Chiefs' first quarter was against the Texans last year, this was even worse. Because I mean, the Chiefs just like couldn't sniff the football without screwing something up. If you recall, it was like it was a muffed punt return inside the five. It was uh, wasn't there like another turnover like inside the fifteen yard line or a fumble. Like it just kept yep. we just kept giving them the ball right in front of the goal line, you know. But this was like the Steelers would do three or four plays, drive down the field, and then throw an interception. And like before they knew it, they were down twenty eight nothing in the first quarter. You you don't do that without an awful lot of help from the other side. Yeah, well, first of all, great Hobbit reference. Don't want that to go unnoticed. Thank you, Kyle. But. You know, if they say defense wins championships, um, tons of mistakes doesn't win championships. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So that so that was very disappointing for me, not only because I had to take switch off the Hobbit, but because I was so ready to talk about Lamar Jackson. Uh, like this would have been such a great game for us. And I know we're going to get to Bill's Ravens at the very end of the podcast, but I just want to say my frustration before we talk about the Browns before before we talk about the Browns I want to do a quick shame none segment and I'm glad Reese is editing this because he can just splice in his fun fun sweet music let there be shame all right welcome to the shame none segment Kyle's favorite segment in fact Kyle really loves segments from what I hear so we are going to collectively it's 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 more just about the fact that segments are unnecessary. <laughs> There's no cameras on us. We don't have a TV show. Who needs a segment? But but we have segment music that brought to you by referees. Yes. I mean, yeah, but there's something to be said for seamless transition. That's true. Oh, well, it's a segment. So today we are shaming Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool. And why are we shaming Chase Claypool because of the following quote. He said, quote, after the playoff loss, the Browns are going to get clapped next week, so it's all good. What? 
do not put that juju, that bad juju on the Kansas City Chiefs. How dare you try to bring the Steelers wide receiver foolery to Kansas City. We don't want any of that voodoo magic. Take that into the locker room with Mike Tomlin. You are not going to screw this game up for us. Shame on you, Chase Claypool. Take the L and live with the L. I think you might be mad about the wrong thing. I mean, he deserves a lot of shame for that comment, but even more than, you know, I mean, who cares if he puts some sort of expectation? Like, do you really think that we give a shit about what Chase Claypool thinks? No, more than that is that you get paid millions and millions of dollars to go out there and like, you know, theoretically give it all for like a city that you care about. But when that's your comment, clearly that's, that's, that's not happening, right? So if anybody on our team after an embarrassing loss, absolutely embarrassing loss, was just going to get on and say, oh yeah, this opponent that just beat the crap out of us isn't that good and is just going to get bounced in the next round, so who cares? I I mean, that's so disingenuous. It's just, yeah, it's hard to know where to start. Well, I fully agree with the back half of this statement, but the first half saying, why do we care? It's it's not us that have to care. It's the fact that the Cleveland Browns are going to put that up on their billboard, paired with Kareem Hunt saying in that TikTok video, next week's personal. Yeah. Last thing I want is that team coming in here with a head of steam and just like bringing the Akron hammer with them, if you know what I mean. I mean, I'm I'm also going to play the bad luck charm because any time that the Steelers talk before a game, it always goes bad and they never learn and they decided to put that on us and I don't want any of that. We don't want any of that. Especially, good point, Reese. Why don't we get into that because we weren't going to talk about it, but um, I actually do want to talk about that. Kareem Hunt, like you said on TikTok, said, next week is personal. Now, some people are debating whether that means he is actually upset with the Chiefs or he just wants to settle the score because he thought he should have been on last year's team. He should have got a Super Bowl ring. So I don't know if he is actually mad at every single one of the players on the Chiefs organization or it's just a mental thing that he needs to get hyped up for. Uh, but I don't want that either. I don't want a mad Kareem Hunt. I mean, there's a lot that I could say here that I just won't. Allow me to say it for you then. We can't say Kareem Hunt is like the barometer for great decision making. So by calling next week personal, that's probably not a great decision. So, you know, it just kind of like fits that's in line. That's basically what I was going to say. Yeah. So I, I'm more worried about Nick Chubb, who was running like the end zone owed him money. I tell you what, that guy is a f- he's Derek Henry with speed, man. He's scary. Well, okay, so before we go into kind of what their strengths are, I do want to shout out to Andy Reid, who got thrown that question today about Kareem Hunt and what they were going to do about it. And Andy was just like, look, I'm 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 just so happy for Kareem Hunt being in the situation that he is and that he's he's doing better as a person and that he's in a good situation to be successful. Like Andy, Andy could have said a plethora of things, uh, but Andy just the like a very good person professional and just a very good human being to kind of you know go from that tiktok response to say you know we're we're just happy kareem hunt's doing well so so good for you andy reed that's why we love you in kansas city now continue reese tell us about the strengths of the browns and do these strengths worry you 
And actually, no, how much does it worry you? Like, like you said, uh, Nick Chubb is a very good running back, but does that mean that they are going to upset the Chiefs this Sunday? Well, obviously, you know, we're going to speak about the elephant in the room, which is the fact that they have like the deadliest one-two punch of running back of all time. I mean, is is that fair to say? Because oh, yeah. when they picked up Kareem Hunt from us, you know, after after we dropped him, it was like Hunt was a top five running back in the league, and as was Nick Chubb. He was on the very least like the fringe of top five. So they have this incredible one-two punch at running back paired with a pretty solid offensive line. They were making some holes last night. They just let those guys run through their full speed. And unfortunately, run defense is not our defense's specialty. So that's the first thing I'm worrying about. I think the strategy to beat them is just going to be like it's been all season, which is the offense just needs to click. It's like this offense should put points on the board, be it seven or three, every drive and if we do that I think they'll have a hard time keeping up with a running based offense and a Baker Mayfield who's not great at playing from behind but the thing is if we're going to open the game with a three and out let them score a long seven minute drive only put up three let them score another touchdown and suddenly we're down with a, like a running game team on cruise control that's when we could get into some issues here's the thing here's why I'm not scared of the Cleveland Browns the Cleveland Browns are basically the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the AFC. Whoa. Lots of individual talent sprinkled throughout a team with no signature wins on the season. Name me a signature win by the Cleveland Browns on the season besides, you know, their win against the Steelers a week ago. Before, you know, they, they, they beat the Steelers twice in a row. Great. What else? But Mason Rudolph was also quarterback, yeah, which right. also boneheaded Steelers for not putting them away. They could have played Ben and they would have never played the Browns. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, if you want to flip the script on us, sure, we've had a difficult latter half of the season in terms of the gameplay. But look at our record. Look at all of the wins against good teams that we've had throughout the season. That's why I'm not really concerned about this. I mean, yes. Reese is correct that like we can dig ourselves into a hole. I know we've talked before. We don't want to get put in the position where we've dug a hole and then inconsistent officiating becomes an issue for us. Uh, that shouldn't be an issue if we're taking care of business. But if we're already down, you know, 17 to three and we get some bad calls, that could be tough. But at the end of the day, again, it's just, you know, mom, can we have Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We have Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. And then it's just like <laughs> Baker Mayfield. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give them a little bit more credit. Um, my okay, my panic meter for the running game of the Browns, one out of ten is probably a six, and it's probably a low six. Okay, really? So, so, so it's not super high, but there is a chance, just like Reese said, for it to be scary. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I think are both top 15, if not top 10 running backs in the league. Last year, they both rushed for a thousand yards, like both like the none. I mean, that that is just crazy. I don't know when the last time you had two running backs on your team rush for a thousand yards. Of course, there was Nick Chubb injuries in the beginning of the year this year, which which helped Kareem kind of establish himself in this off offense once more. Uh, but even even this game, Nick Chubb had 76 yards, but Kareem Hunt was the goal line 
line cowbell. He had two touchdowns, 48 yards for eight carries. Um, so they are going to be an issue against our defensive line. Just like you said, Reese, they have a very good offensive line. We're going to see if Joe Batonio is going to be back from COVID. If he is, that's pretty scary because Joe Batonio is an all pro offensive lineman. They have three all pro offensive linemen on the Browns. Um, so if you have that, you have an established running game. What what it, what are the Chiefs bad at this year? The run, the run. So if they can establish the running game, if they get ahead and they don't have to pass the ball and they can establish that run, then yes, we are in trouble. That's why I give it a six. It's a great running core. I, I want to give them their due. Well, here's one thing I want to kind of just keep on the radar. This feels very similar to me like when we played the Raiders the first time in the season, in which what was the strategy in that game? It was stuff the line of scrimmage, dare Derek Carr to beat us deep, but we didn't prepare for Derek Carr to beat us deep, and he subsequently beat us deep many times. I think if we can focus on stopping the run, but respect the fact that Baker Mayfield can throw the deep ball and has better deep threats than Derek Carr and his receivers. And a Jarvis Landry. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think if we become, if we show prepped to expect the deep ball, let's just give them the middle all day. They're not a great dink and dunk team. So stop the stop the running at the line of scrimmage. Be prepared for the deep play with, uh, with our boy Sneed. And uh, I think just hope for the best. I'll kind of second that, you know, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, the X factor for me in this game is going to be Sneed. It's going to be Honey Badger. It's going to be Thornhill. I think that's an interesting idea, Reese, where you sort of see the the dueling threats of Chubb and Hunt to really focus on shutting that down while still respecting the big play all season, at least in the media and sort of (laughs) the the refrain of the Chiefs. over the past couple seasons has been weakness in the secondary. Um, but I see your point that if we take away the, the biggest play and if the run game's not happening, we can give up a few yards here and there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of package that with another thought. Those three guys I just mentioned are, are the X factor, but also the health of our offensive line is going to be an X factor too. Quickly talking about the uh, the uh, defense and then and then we'll touch the offense because that's a very good point, Kyle. Talking about our offensive line and seeing what prayers I'm going to have to do before the game to get the offensive line to go. This has to be a Frank Clark and Chris Jones game. They have to show up. One, to stop the run and to put pressure on Baker Mayfield. If you look at the Steelers game, Steelers have a great front four. They did not get to Baker. Baker had zero sacks. He played really well. Baker had a very good game, not only because Baker played well, but there was no pressure. And when there's no pressure, you can throw where you want. You can throw to Jarvis Landry and have 92 yards. You can throw to the flat to Nick Chubb had 69 yards um, catch receiving. He had 69 yards receiving yesterday. So we have to establish a good rushing game. Just like you guys said, we don't want to bring the blitz. We have to have a great front four and we have two elite defensive linemen that need to be there all four quarters not just the fourth quarter which is frank clark's specialty he needs to be there one two three and four that's a really good point uh last night baker mayfield did not look good and he has not looked good all season when facing the blitz now he is very elusive he's good at sidestepping and squeaking his way out but when you watch a player that's elusive the way russell wilson or i mean to a greater extent lamar jackson is when the pocket collapses and they feel the pressure bearing 
doubling down on him. You can see him switch a gear in their head saying, all right, engage scramble mode. When Baker Mayfield gets put under pressure, you can almost hear his head saying, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. So keep the pressure on him and just bring that small guy down down absolutely yeah good call good call all right kyle this is coming back to you we're going back to the offensive line what is your panic meter miles garrett versus whoever is going to match up against him on our offensive line oh i mean it all comes down to health right i mean we've had two weeks of rest and so assuming that there's no covid protocols um again we saw guys like kilgore get reps when i mean out of necessity but you know, at the end of the day, that that game that we reviewed uh, at the end of the season, that's that's why your backups get reps, right? Is to is to be ready for the big moment. So, I think that as long as the two week rest and the COVID issues are clear, I think that we'll be okay. Yeah, I I think, uh, and let me see who do we have right now. So it looks like Remmers will be playing next week as well as Eric Fisher. Uh, but but we will still be out Mitchell Schwartz. So I don't know if that's going to be enough to stop Miles Garrett. Uh, now, devil's advocate to that, Ben Roethlisberger had zero sacks yesterday. So it's not like Miles Garrett was just dominating. But one or two plays could be a little scary. Reese, what do you think about our offensive line? Because we've talked about this whole season, our offensive line kind of being this Achilles heel perhaps on this on this team so what is your panic meter of this offensive line well you kind of just put it right there I think we will win the Super Bowl if our offensive line can put it together and scrape themselves to just about Lee average but if they keep playing the way they have been for the better part of the last eight nine weeks uh, I'm not sure if the Browns are the team to do it maybe but I don't see us going through the rest of this postseason with this offensive line and winning the Super Bowl now prove me wrong as we said it is very possible Andy Reid and Cobe and like hanging on to the good play scripts all that good stuff for you know the better part of the last two months and we might see a completely different and refreshed team out there in the coming weeks but man Pat has just been running for his life and putting someone like Miles Garrett on the prowl just looking for him. The big question is going to be if the Browns can get pressure rushing four with Garrett. I'm hoping they send blitz because Patrick is one of the best at like adjusting to the extra man blitz coming on him this season. But if they just send four and drop back the rest into man coverage, we might be in a bit of a problem. I, I think panic meter wise, I'm I'm way less than I was for the defense. I'm going to say I'm maybe like a three panic meter only because of this. I know yesterday the Browns were playing prevent defense for the first and second quarters because they thought that, you know, everything was OK. But once Ben Roethlisberger got on stride and I know he had to throw a ton like what he threw like. See, he threw 68 times. Are you so serious? I know 68? That. Yeah, he threw 68 times yesterday. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's like 37. <laughs> How is he not dead? <laughs> well, when you're down 37, nothing. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, okay. So even with all that, even with all that, Ben Roethlisberger still had 501 yards with four touchdowns. Now you're telling me that at the end of the game, third quarter and on, the Browns were not giving it their all. And when the Browns were giving it their all, Ben Roethlisberger was still having his way with that defense at the very end of the game. Give me Patrick Mahomes 
I think we're going to be okay offensively. We could have blunders defensively, which is why I might be a little scared about this game. But just like you said, Reese, Patrick Mahomes knows how to get out of the pocket if he needs to. I have no concerns about that. Even if the offensive line is not 100%, I know Patrick Mahomes will wiggle his way out of there. I think he's going to be fine. If Ben Roethlisberger can put up 501 yards, we're okay. This, this this was the perfect scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about it all week. Who do we want to face? We wanted to face the Browns. We never thought it was going to happen. It's happening. This is, this is okay for me. I feel good. Yeah, the, the, the biggest difficulty with this Browns team for me is that they just don't seem to have an identity. I mean, outside of the fact that, as we've alluded to, they have that two-headed monster and that decent offensive line. It's not like they've racked off a bunch of signature wins. You know, it's not like they've been consistently hot. You know, just just looking at their last few weeks of the year. So they had that 41-35 victory over Tennessee where they were blowing the doors off of them. But slowly but surely, Tennessee chipped their way back into that game. That Cleveland offense stalled for the better part of the second half. They had that weird high-scoring affair with Baltimore where both teams put up plus 40 points. But then the next week after that, 20-6 to against the New York Giants. Not great. They played the New York Jets the following week and lost 23-16. And I'm aware that they didn't have like any other wide receivers for that game. But it's like, you're telling me that with Hunt and Chubb, you can't beat the New York Jets. And then last but not least, as we alluded to already, week 17 of the season, a winner go home against the Pittsburgh Steelers B squad. And it took them like a last second drive to pull that one out of their hat. And then just blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers A squad. So what are we supposed to expect? What is this team? Do the Browns know what they are? Can they put it together for two weeks in a row? Again, who does that sound like? Us? Tampa Bay. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> at least at least Tampa Bay consistently loses to the Saints. We have that going for them. All right. Be a, be, before we talk about the AARP match in the NFC, uh, what is your score for this game? Kyle, you go first. I think yeah that, that that's tough. I think it's it's easy to go recency bias because of this, you know, um shootout that we just witnessed uh last night. But I'm going to say it's probably not going to be as high scoring as that game against Pittsburgh. I mean, that was just a strange game with a lot of points put up early and a lot of points put up late. So I'm going to say this looks closer to maybe a 31-17 victory. I'm going to put it in at 31-23 Chiefs. I'm going to say Kareem Hunt has a very good game. I think Nick Chubb also has a good game. I'm sure Kareem Hunt will have at least one touchdown. So if there's any betters out there, definitely bet the over if it's a Kareem Hunt one touchdown. But I'm going to say 35 to 27. I will give the Browns some respect because of their run game. But it's going to be one of those like 35-27 wasn't a close game. 35-27, if you if you catch my drift, which we've had a few of those. I just think that the Browns, once they are behind, they're just going to sling or they're, or Kareem Hunt is just going to find another motor in there. gentlemen it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast artificially chosen by us it's time for a beer review uh, armando tell us what you're sipping on tonight tonight i'm gonna drink a vienna lager from prost brewing co and beer garden 
Have you been to Prost yet? Yeah, yeah. So so for those of you that don't know what Prost is, Prost is a brewery here in Denver. And the owners of Prost were the people that opened Bierstadt uh, here, which is known for their Pilsner, which is really good. Also was talked about a little bit by Carlton Graham on our podcast. Friend of the podcast, Carlton Graham from Casey Beer Co. He also knows people from Prost and uh, they are highly regarded. They, are all, they also make German beer the way that Casey Beer makes German beer. So the Rhine boats geschafft, whatever the German way of brewing beer, they're one of, I don't know, maybe I, I think Carlton said maybe 10 breweries only brew this specific way. So Prost is one of them. Authentisch German. Oh, that sucks. Hold on. What would be Authentisch uh, <laughs> Deutschland? Sehr authentisch, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just grabbed some uh, KC Beer Co. pills near today from the grocery store. Ooh. I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud. I'm supporting local in these hard times. They had one of those like you know mixed six pack sort of deals. I nabbed me some Free State. I nabbed me some KC Beer Co. I nabbed me some Longboat, and I nabbed me some Torn Label, and then I nabbed me some Oscar Blues just because like I need to get more versed in their beer because it's pretty good stuff. Atta boy. Well, Armando, tell us about the aroma of this uh, head coach Steve Prost beer that you're hey. about to Nice. I got to stop making Iowa-centric jokes on this podcast about Kansas City. I mean, people will understand it, right? It's so close. And we have a, a pretty good Iowa contingent of fans out there. We we see you, Jordan from Iowa, friend of the podcast, Jordan from Iowa. Heck yes. I've noticed that, like, you know, even though you grew up a diehard Iowa fan, Reese, like, you don't have inherent hatred for the Cyclones. That's sort of not how we are from Des Moines. <laughs> it's like, you pick your bed and sleep in it. No, that's okay. It's a little bit Montagues and Capulets in, in the 515. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Armando, tell us about the aroma of this beer. All right, aroma for this guy. I'm getting a lot of, like, caramel-like sweetness on the on the nose, which is very nice. You get some of the malt and the yeast um, as well on the smell. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty standard for a Vienna lager, I think. Nothing really jumps out for me. Uh, let me give it a seven. If the aroma were a candy bar, what candy bar would it be? Milky Way. Nice. Quick answer. That's how you know it's authentic. Sehr authentisch. Nice. All right. Uh, appearance. Natürlich. Natürlich. What if... What if we like get a whole German contingent just because like these German words go on the search bars <laughs> of like the podcast? <laughs> Do we have to pick a Bundesliga team now? My pronunciation's awful. I haven't been studying as much as I should. Aber wir können dieses Bier review machen auf Deutsch. Attaboy. I mean, uh, I I definitely don't know how to say malt in German or or hops or like. My yeah. Deutsch is schlecht, sehr schlecht. <laughs> oh. Wow, Reese's first dulcet tones on the podcast. Yeah, and it was, and it was Vodzek. Hashtag deal with it. <laughs> I'm a solid, uh, like, low Atzvai auf Deutsch these days. Probably used to be closer to a B1, but yeah, those, those skills have slipped. So um, I'm working on it. Um, shout out to Frau Gaug, German teacher in Houston. I failed you a little bit these last two months, but I'll be back on the wagon. Don't worry. Anyway, number two, appearance. All right, appearance. Appearance is very nice. You get a nice brown caramel f look on it uh very translucent in the light as well i don't know if you guys can see it from my from my point of view oh yeah 
but it's wonderful. The 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 head retention's also really great on this guy. I don't know how long I've had it, but head retention's wonderful. It just looks good. It, you know, it, it it's a nice balance of light feel and heavy because even though it's translucent, you can still tell there's a lot going on inside the beer. Uh, so very nice for the style. Give me an 8.7. Wow. Alrighty. Uh, how about flavor? Ooh. Yeah, flavor is super good. Just like you smell the caramel sweetness, you also taste the caramel sweetness. And that paired with the crispiness as well. Ooh, this is a crispy boy. It's crushable. <laughs> I mean, having having both of those, also you kind of get the toastiness as well from the hop and the malt. Oh, man, I, I love German beers. They're so good. This one is great. A great style, a great representation of the style as well. 9.1. 9.1. Nice. How about mouthfeel? Mouthfeel also very great because you don't get too much of the malt and the yeast that would give it that sharp flavor or or would give it kind of that bite. It has a nice bite to it because of the carbiness, but it's not over. Sometimes you get too much of it. There are some... Uh, there, there are some breweries that will re- remain nameless on this podcast that sometimes when you have a Vienna lager, it's just like way too crispy. This has the perfect balance between the crisp. You also get just the the uh, sweetness of the malt as well. Give me an 8.6. 8.6. Very specific. The NOAA uh, scale. Uh, Metzger metric <laughs> system, the sir. Scale. Uh, thank you. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Noah can probably beat up anybody on this podcast and beyond. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Uh, in his prime, I was told Noah could bench upwards of 250 pounds. I don't know. No way. That. Really? That's pretty That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. We're going to have to get Noah back on the podcast, not not to talk Chiefs, but just to talk about his like military experience. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I love Noah, so edit that out. All right, fine. All right. Uh, aftertaste. <laughs> Aftertaste wonderful. You guys like like I said right now and in previous podcasts, I don't like too much bite in my beers. IPA, lagers, really anything. I like something that's a little more smooth and this definitely has the smoothness just like the mouthfeel. You get it on the aftertaste as well. You actually get more sweetness on the on the um on the aftertaste as opposed to the mouthfeel, which is really nice. Um give me a mm, Oh, this is tricky, actually, because I don't want to go too high on it because it's not my favorite lager, but it's a very good lager. So let's go in between. Let's go 8.8. Great. And last but not least, everyone's favorite category, the BDQ, the Bo Peak Keys Dunkin' on Fools Quantitative Method. Hey! Whoa, that's huge. That was awesome. (laughs) Well, Kyle's BDQ of the BDQ is a 10. And then the BDQ of this beer, like I said, very crushable and crushable is a is an important thing for me when it comes to BDQ, especially for a lager. This guy, what is this? Four point five point four, which is actually pretty good. If I had, you know, a six pack of this, I, I'd I'd be having a pretty good day. Um, I love the taste. I love the representation of the style. It's crispy. It's flavorful. It's not dull. It's not boring. It's still interesting. 9.1 on BDQ. Bo Pete D's. Nice. Great review. Hey, quick sidebar here. Did you say this was crushable earlier on? Oh, this is totally crushable. 
Did you know that there is a word in German for crushable? Oh, tell us. Bum, bum, bum. Zierkfetchbar. Wow. What a word for crushable. That's actually like... Like if like I were to imagine any German word being crushable, it would, it would be that word. I love it. Good job, Germans, for making the word for crushable. It's true. So crushable. And it's kind of funny because like in true, you know, uh, German language fashion, the word sounds like what it is. So Zierkfetschba sounds like, you know, like when you're crushing a can in your hands, just in like one fell swoop. <laughs> they know their beer. I'll say that. Yeah, no kidding. Screw that. Stay tuned for that. We will all be watching together. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We'll probably be posting stuff during the game on at least Instagram. Okay. For funsies, let's just guess the other games because these are some fun matchups, I think. Let's first talk about the AARP match. Saints v. Bucks. And uh, Kyle, since you love the Bucks so much, I I will give you this one first. Who do you like? I mean... (laughs) This is one game where I just wish they could both lose. Uh, but I don't know. Saints at home, uh, it's and, and, and at least closer to healthy than they have been. Uh, you know, the Bucks barely squeak out a win, even though it, it didn't really feel like a game the whole way through. But at the, at the end of the day, they kind of barely snuck by. So I think, uh, you know, I'll go Saints. Uh before I put my prediction down on this game, can I just bring up a really interesting point here between the AFC and the NFC? Yes. So in the NFC, we have two quarterbacks over the age of 40 in Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is 37, maybe 38. I can't remember which off the top of my head. And uh, Jared Goff is not old, but he's not young. Can you guess who the oldest and most veteran quarterback in the AFC is? I think I know this one. I'll, I'll let Kyle guess first. Like of the teams left, or of, of the teams or left in the AFC, who is the oldest and most veteran quarterback out there? No, looking this up. Uh, well, uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are the same draft class, so it's neither of them. And uh, yeah, I guess it'd have to be Pat. It's Pat. Oh, I was gonna say okay, because I know I know Pat and Baker are both twenty-five, which is ridiculous. No, but 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 Baker was the year after, remember? He was the year after. Pat's been in the league one more year than Baker. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest and most veteran quarterback in the AFC of the remaining teams at age 25. Ridiculous. Just let that sink in. Ridiculous. The, the difference between the future of the NFL right now is that, again, all of the talent is going to be stacked in the AFC. Okay, so now that I've gotten that fact it's out of the... It's just like the MLS. <laughs> hey Shout out to the MLS, friend of the podcast. Uh, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I just think the Saints are going to win this. They've molly whopped the Bucks twice now this year. I mean, I think the first first week they only won by seven or ten points, but it honestly wasn't even that close. They beat them pretty bad. Second time was just a dismantling on the level of what we saw with uh, the the Browns last night. I think this is a bad matchup for Tom Brady, and Tom Brady does not overcome bad matchups very well. So I'm going to go Saints over Bucks in a game that's probably not as close as the final score indicates. Just to be contrarian, hot take Mondo, I'm I'm calling a Tom Brady upset. I'm calling a Tampa Bay Bucks upset on the Saints because I just threw up in my that, mouth a little that bit. Bucks versus the Washington National Football Team, it was two 
Chris Godwin bobbles away from being a blowout. If Chris Godwin Godwin has his shit together, if Mike Evans is playing out of his mind, if Leonard Fournette plays like Leonard Fournette played last week, I think their offense is going to be better than Drew Brees. And again, Drew Brees is one big sack away, one Nadamikin Sue sack away from being out of that game. And I think that even though the Bucks sucked, they they were awful defensively against the Washington football team. If they bring it against Drew Brees, he's in trouble. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I hear you saying that the Tampa Bay defense is going to shut down the Saints with Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, the best two-way back in the game with Alvin Kamara, amongst other players, the same way they shut down a Washington football team with an FCS CFL quarterback making his first start. (laughs) And I dare you right now, Armando, name me the Washington football team's first string running back and first string wide receiver right now. Uh, First string running back is Antonio Gibson. First string wide receiver is Terry McLaurin. He already had a pull up. I can see his eyes moving. No, I no, I watch fantasy. No, I, I play fantasy football religiously. I know every person's wide receiver one and running back one. I'm pretty sure their they're running back one is McKissick. Um, okay, well, McKissick and Gibson kind of share. They, they, they share snaps. My point still stands. Are you meaning to tell me you expect <laughs> the Buccaneers, who allowed 23 points to that ragtag bunch of scrubs on Washington, is going to do the same thing to this historic... Saints offense. Okay, again, I that that is not my argument. I said that Drew Brees is one big hit away from being in very big trouble in that game. He still has broken ribs. Yes, that is a very good offense. I I am not arguing that Drew Brees, Kamara, even uh, Murray, you know, all other guys, Michael Thomas. That is a very good offense. But when you bring that front four, uh, Pierre Paul, uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Sue, if you bring all those guys and they are efficient, I think Drew Brees could possibly be in trouble. And I love being contrarian on this. So yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. That was fun. Uh, second one. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Jared Goff is going to start or not. I don't really know what's going on with the Rams, but, uh, yeah, Packers, Packers, Rams. Who do who do we got? I mean, there, there's nothing I love more than hearing you drag out a lukewarm take. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't see uh, I I don't see any way that that broken thumb Goff can contend with uh, you know one of the best to ever do it. So I'm you know I'm going Packers. Yeah, I mean, I know that the Packers struggle with the NFC West and the playoffs in particular, but I just I don't see this being an NFC West team that takes them down. As Kyle mentioned already, Jared Goff has got one thumb and only played last week because his backup who started the game had to go to a hospital with concussion protocol. I mean, it, it might be a little bit closer than the Packers wanted to, but I really see him pulling away in this one. Cold take Mondo is back. It's definitely going to be the Packers, and there's no, there, there's definitely no hot take here. Uh, I mean, Jared Goff, Jared, Jared Goff lost his spot. I know everyone is talking about this broken thumb. No, no, Jared Goff lost that spot, and Sean McVay does not trust Jared Goff. So 
I think it's an, it's going to be a very awkward week kind of having Jared Goff do all this stuff while knowing Sean McVay does not want him on that team. So uh, good good job for the Rams defense to be the Rams defense. I'm sure they're going to bring the heat, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the Packers and I am pretty sure it's going to be the Packers in the Super Bowl. All right. And now the the the, uh, the uh, team that I wanted to talk about this whole time and I, I can't really talk about them because we're not going to play them and we may not ever play them. Bills versus Baltimore Ravens. Who do you guys have? I think I haven't gone first, so I'll take this one. I'm going to take the Bills in this game. I just think that offense is clicking right now. And I really think while Lamar Jackson did overcome his playoff demons last week, much to his credit, down 10, coming back. Uh, he looked like he was going to start playing like playoff Lamar and he threw an interception. I kind of expected more of those, some more fumbles to come after that. Now he kept composed and he did just enough to pull out a 2013 win. However, I am going to stress that he did just enough to pull out a 20 to 13 win. I think I mentioned to you guys during the game that really said more of Tennessee's offensive ineptitudes, which they've been struggling throughout the year more than it did. I'm afraid of Baltimore now. I'm not sure Baltimore is going to be able to keep up with a Bills team that has to feel like they're the team of destiny right now. So I see this being a semi-high scoring affair, but I don't think Baltimore has the offense or the juice to keep up with the Bills. I'm going to agree with that. Um, you know, I think I think the Bills dodged their bad luck uh, this first round against the Colts. I think if they... I think if they were going to drop a game they really shouldn't have, it would have been that one. And as Reese said, they've they've been clicking offensively. Um, I think the best case scenario for us as Chiefs fans is that um, the Ravens really give it everything and 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 they fight a hard fought game and they can sort of bang up the Bills a little bit. But yeah, at the end of the day, I still think Buffalo wins that. Guys, I really hate the Baltimore Ravens. I really don't like Lamar Jackson. I really didn't like Marcus Peters doing that dance on on the Titans logo. Uh, And also Lamar Jackson not shaking anybody's hand after the game. I know it's COVID, but that was not a COVID move. That was a screw you guys. I'm a quarterback. And then when asked after the game, they were like, this was going to be the Derrick Henry versus Lamar Jackson show. Lamar goes, well, no, it wasn't because we both play different positions. Like he's still going off of, I'm not a running back. What is the only thing that he did that game? Run. Jim Harbaugh threw the playbook out and said, Lamar Jackson, you are a running back. No! And then he went out there and looked amazing. I mean, he's an amazing running back. He should be a running back. It was was amazing. But what he is not, he is not a quarterback. I am sorry. And I want to get all the frustration out now because I don't think they're going to win. And I'm never going to have a chance to talk about it until next season. He looked awful. That offensive line looked awful. And then he just kind of got out and did those 50-yard rushes or whatever, which looked great. But you have to throw the football. And he has weapons. Mark Andrews is great. Marquise Browns is great. And he did not utilize any of that against a, a very lukewarm Titans team. So I see the Bills beating them pretty handedly because Josh Allen looked very good. And you guys know I don't like Josh Allen. But the way he looked against the Colts was very 
impressive. He was able to get out of pressure. He made very good calls, which I have never seen Josh Allen do. When he was in pressure, he actually threw the ball in the right position. I've never seen that before. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to hopefully a Bills Chiefs AFC championship. Yeah, I think the biggest step Josh Allen's has made in uh, comparison to Lamar Jackson, if we're going to do a 1v1 here, is that Josh Allen is playing like he's comfortable now for the first time, whereas last year, I don't know if he was overthinking or he just panicked or he wasn't comfortable, but this year he's throwing and he's happy and he's enjoying what he's doing. Uh, I, I just haven't seen that step with Lamar Jackson yet. The passing is still exactly what I thought it was, and that's why I'm giving the edge this year to Josh Allen and that major step forward he's taken. Kyle, in front of everyone in the podcast, I apologize to you for thinking that the Colts were going to bulldoze the Bills, although I still stand by the Colts had a good defensive team. Uh, Josh Allen just looked better, and I hate saying that, but he did. He looked great. <laughs> Listen. I don't miss on this podcast. I got to say, Kyle may never miss, but you know who does miss? Rodrigo Blankenship. And now, ever since putting Blankenship (laughs) v. Coup in a 1v1 (laughs) cage match, they have both missed clutch kicks. So I don't know what's going on here, but my bottom line box office gate has been going down, down, down. (laughs) Thanks, boys. It's true. I mean, all all this says is that this match needs to happen soon. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, strike while the iron's hot. Before they get on the, like, Chiefs practice squad. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at Fountain City SM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.